TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Dr. Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by not just one of my favorite wellness people, but one of my absolute favorite people. Um, she's a wife, a mum of three beautiful dynamic children, two of whom have PKU, which we'll talk about a little bit later. She lives a primal, simple, free-range lifestyle that's all about discovering nourishment, movement, and connection, and she certainly does all of those things amazingly well. So welcome to the show, Leanne Anders. Wow, Brett. Thank you so much for such an awesome intro. Oh, it's so easy to do an awesome intro for you, Leanne. And as I said to you before, <laughs> I can't believe I actually haven't had you on the show yet. So apologies for this taking so long to get you on board, but I'm really excited to have you on and, and to share a bit about your journey and your story. So, you know, we obviously have spoken a fair bit off air and, and at other times at the Wellness Summit, at the Wellness Breakthrough, all of those events where we, we have had the pleasure of connecting. And so I know a fair bit about your story, but for the benefit of others, um, you know, Share your story, Leanne. Where, where did you come from? Let's go right back to the start and, and talk about you and, and how you got to be where you are now, sharing this amazing information through primalmum.com. Well, the Primal Mum thing kind of started, I suppose, when I, especially when I had my kids. Uh, I had my twins, they're almost nine years old, and I found out one of the twins had a genetic metabolic condition called PKU, which is phenylketonuria. And what it is pretty much is the enzyme in his body that converts phenylalanine, a building block in protein, he can't convert it into tyrosine. So if phenylalanine actually builds up in your blood, it becomes toxic to the brain. So the only intervention really is a low-protein diet or for some kids it's as low as 6 grams a day. So I found out he had PKU and we started, um, I was still able to breastfeed him, but he started QVAN, which is a uh, synthetic enzyme to convert the phenylalanine. And yeah, that sort of started our journey. I started researching that, I started looking at what we were eating. Then when he started solids, he was actually a low protein vegan till the age of two, which mm. was a little little bit tough because I had the twins. So one was on a, a regular diet for starting food and Luke was actually on a low-protein diet. So everything was – he couldn't have the same foods as Mason. He couldn't even have banana. He couldn't have avocado. He couldn't have any meats. He couldn't have any, any dairy, not that we have that anyway. But, um, yeah, so that was, that was where all the food side started. And – it just kind of progressed from there. Then I had my daughter and found out she had PKU as well. So they started a whole new journey. And then through my own, I suppose, my own growth, I just wanted to look at things a little bit differently. And as I started to grow within myself, I started to look for a lifestyle that would better suit our family's needs. And that's when I came across a more primal living or a more natural sort of way of, of doing things and I really looked to develop a growth mindset and I wanted to teach the kids as well that their identity wasn't PKU. I wanted to teach them that even though their body had PKU, 
they chose to eat the way they do for how their body is actually genetically designed to function. So that came in the whole eat like a human side of, of things. So it's an interesting step to go from PKU, which obviously, as you said, low protein vegan diet, to then thinking, well, I'm going to go primal. Because obviously, you know, most people yeah. will think of primal or paleo as being a high protein diet, which it doesn't necessarily have to be, but most people think of it in that way. So what made you decide to go in that direction, particularly with two kids with PKU? Uh, the PKU diet's very, uh, very elemental and very synthetic. And from quite early on, it just didn't sit well with me eating mm. that way for some reason. It was just... So what sort of foods, Leanne? Um, well, the sort of foods that were elemental was synthetic pastas or everything was... Even though when I baked, because before I actually chose to eat primal myself, if you would do any baking for Mason, it would be the regular way for Luca. It'd have to be egg-free, nut-free, dairy-free, wheat-free, gluten-free. Mm. So all those products I was exposed to early on. But it was still the fact that his breads had to be low-protein and the dietitian would recommend we had cheese. But, okay, the cheese had to be the plastic wrapper cheese. Mm. And for me, I kind of went, oh, I know it's low protein, but is there really a need to have this? And we do bridge the gap with a formula, which he needs to have, but I just, it just didn't sit well. And as mm. I looked at the food that was quite synthetic and elemental in their diet, everyone was kind of going, oh, look at this packet, it's, it's low protein. And everyone looked at the protein on the yeah. nutritional guide when really you look at the protein yeah it's it's low protein but you look at the rest of the nutritional guide and you kind of go i i can't pronounce what's what's in half of it yeah i have no idea what the numbers are and it just didn't sit well so then i started to actually back off that kind of way of eating and through regular blood tests just started changing what they ate and i realized that when i did cut any any dairy allowances out or any meat allowances out or any high protein grain allowances out I was able to add things like nuts and seeds and a bit more really good quality meat but also fats because mm. yeah. I could never feel I could never fill Luke up when he was a kid because a lot of the diet was low protein but they say eat as much fruit as you want which doesn't necessarily do a kid any favors that's quite hyperactive anyway mm. and um so with regular blood testing, I was actually just able to, to start converting a lot of their foods and found that their blood tests did stabilise. And even even now their elemental milk, which is pro-zero, you can't even read the ingredients because it's mm. a, you know, it's a medical kind of milk, mm. but it's got zero protein. So, you know, we're even in the process now of, of getting rid of that. And they're actually having the, you know, the, the Nutty Bruce coconut milk? Yes. Or almond milk, they're actually starting to have that now in, instead of their elemental milk. That's fantastic. And so you obviously, as you said, doing the blood test and following through. So I guess aside from the macronutrients, obviously you know they're getting more fats, which is super important for yeah. their brains and for the for their satiation and you know for their hormone balance and all of those sort of things. But what did you notice in terms of the micronutrients? Were they monitoring those? Because I imagine. You know, you've obviously no. switched to a much more nutrient-dense diet and I'd be really yeah. curious as to whether they measured and if they did, whether there was a change. No. One of the big things with kids with PKU is that they're, they're quite often malnourished. Like they, yeah. they don't have... Well, on that not diet you mentioned, I'm not surprised. 
No, well, that's right. A lot of them are, are quite underweight. Mm. A lot of them have um, a lot of behavioural disorders as well. So there's not with and with my kids when they'd come in because they're they're quite muscular mm. and they're a great size for their age and they're quite intelligent. They they just they just marvelled at at the size of them and how healthy they were and their physique and how strong they were and I think a lot of it has to do with the food they eat. You know, there's always substitutes even for a diet that they're on. There's there's always there's always substitutes. I mean, you can still yeah. go, and I talk to people who do have PKU, and I'm always offering substitutes instead of having the low-pro spaghetti noodles, yeah, zucchini noodles. You know, you can still make a low-protein mm. pasta sauce with tomatoes, with mushrooms, with capsicum, yeah. with, with all your vegetables. But you just make it from scratch. You make it with all vegetables. You have zucchini noodles you've got a really nutritious meal without having to depend on jar sauce and the low-protein spaghetti noodles. Yeah. So, so was that nutrient density actually... a big you know, big factor for you when you were trying to decide what to introduce into the diet? Uh, yeah, absolutely, because I didn't want to have to rely on the elemental um, formulas to for them to get all their nutrients because that's how they actually get them. They have to have formulas as a, a substitute for a healthy mm. diet. Mm. And I would prefer that my kids got it from a natural whole source. So we eat organic. I grow, we have a massive veggie garden that my husband built for me. And we have a lot of veggies. We have our own chooks. So we have, um, oh, my husband goes deer hunting as well. So we have a friend that comes around with a, a leg of, you know, a, a deer and chops it up out the back. And the kids are out there running around. They see what goes on. They we, we have a cow in the freezer that we got from a friend of ours out on their farm that was blind. So she she wasn't touched at all from the moment she she was born. No injections, no hormones, no antibiotics, nothing. So um, a lot of our food comes from as, as natural source as, as what we can get. We fish in the rivers. So that was really important to me. I never wanted to have to rely on elemental formulas to 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 bridge the gap only where it was absolutely necessary yeah and i think that's great um and you know the the distinction you're saying there is when it's absolutely necessary because you know what we're not saying is that you want to just ignore you know modern medicine you know because there's a time and a place you know i always talk about it as being crisis care and so when there's a crisis you know when you absolutely have to Thank God it's there. You know, they do amazing work. Some of my best friends are doctors. I play indoor cricket yep. with them on a Wednesday night and they're fantastic. And, you know, when it comes to saving people's lives, they do amazing work. You know, when it comes to, um, you know, some of these health genetic disorders, whatever it may be, you know, sometimes the body needs a bit of help. And sometimes, you know, using our amazing wealth of knowledge that we've developed, you know, there's things we can do to make life better. Um, but... At the same time, there's so much stuff we can do by you know, providing our body with an environment that allows it to thrive um, that can really make a difference too. So it's about you know understanding that it's there and there's a time and a place for it, but anything we can do to need it less, to nourish our bodies, to give our bodies the best chance of thriving without needing that sort of intervention is going to be an awesome thing for our body too. So, well, well absolutely. I think, look, that, I think that's part of... You know, and that's why I like, I suppose, being primal mum. I think it's our natural primal instinct to 
teach our young not just to survive but but to thrive and for some yeah. reason we're the only species on the planet who happens to get that wrong that yeah you know we're the only ones that don't actually know how to teach our offspring how to thrive in this world and how to grow when and how to adapt to our surroundings and discover the world around us it's yeah it's a it's a really kind of primal instinct I think as a as a mum or as a parent or as a human mm. to be able to teach those around us how to thrive yeah and you're such a shining example of that Leanne and, and I'm sure people are resonating with everything you've been saying so far and, and you're obviously just doing such an amazing job of it so well done um, thank you Brett the one thing I'm curious about you mentioned before you said you know your kids are more muscular they're, they're well built they're thriving as you said not just surviving with this yeah. PKU um, you know, I'm guessing probably behaviourally they're, they're perhaps doing better than most given the foods and stuff that they're getting. So um, what do the doctors say? Like, what do they put it down to that your kids are perhaps doing better than others who are you know, dealing with the same condition? I think they partially they put it down to the QVAN, which is only available mm. through the Royal Children's Hospital in Victoria because of funding. Yeah. So that gives them a higher allowance of protein. But I think too, because they're they're outdoors kids. I mean, we're when we're not at home, my husband's kind of adventure dad mm. and he's very much into going bush for the day. Whenever Dean needs to chill, he's going bush. <laughs> and the kids the kids just they love it. We go out to, you know, ghost towns. We'd love to take a day trip to ghost towns, old mining towns that people haven't been to for a hundred years. Some of these places wow were thriving in the early to mid 1800s and we like to you know put our take a little backpack each the kids take their camel packs and we put our gum boots on and last time we went we actually strapped the gopro to the boys and just let them run wild in the bush so they're climbing trees swinging out of trees eating blackberries uh-huh. dean showed them how to get um rose hips yep. from the an old bush and showed them how to eat those and yeah, climbing hills and sometimes you're, you're trudging through miles of, of blackberries, climbing over and under and they're always outside. We live in the country so they've got a lot of freedom in the small town that we live in. We're surrounded by mountains and beautiful streams so they are very much outdoors kids. They're on their bikes, they walk to school or ride to school every day, they do a lot of sport. My daughter Violet is... She's always swinging out of trees or hanging upside down. She actually likes to do handstands against the front door and open the front door with her feet. So <laughs> that's quite an effort. She does. It's actually it's it's on my Facebook page. Is, is Violet doing a handstand and opening the front door with her feet? Classic. So you know they they climb. I've got dirty handprints and feet prints all up the walls in the hallway from where the kids. <laughs> climb you know do that spider climb up the hallway yeah, yeah and they kind of like to walk along and see how far along they can get doing that so you know it's it's lucky I'm not you know a huge clean freak <laughs> but, but, <yeah>. and, <laughs> so Leanne obviously you know we know that all these amazing things you're doing are making a massive difference and and you would have seen that with your kids and really noticed the difference but I guess the, the question I wanted to know is do the doctors recognize that? Like, do they acknowledge that the way you're feeding the kids, the way you're moving your kids, the, the time you're spending with your kids is what's making a difference? Or do they kind of more just put it down to luck or maybe your kids um, just haven't got it quite my as bad? Dietitian, my dietitian does. 
She's. I have great conversations with her. I love to go down there, and and I'm noticing a little bit of a change on that side of things. Last time we were there and talking about food and and about you know packaged food versus you know good fats, healthy fats to fill these kids up. Mm. But also too, um, well, a few years ago, we we're actually a little bit worried about Luke that he may have had ADHD because he was yeah. just having a few sensory issues, and and we approached the doctors about it, but it didn't actually get any help. So I kind of went on my own little exploring mission to um, discover as much as I, I could about it and how to help him. And that's when we started working on gut health as well. I think mm. a big part of PKU and behavioural disorders come from just a complete lack of, of good balanced gut health because mm. of the diet as well. And I noticed when we started seeing our chiropractor with Luke, there was a big change in him. And... And, and the food that they eat and just, I think, growth mindset stuff as, as well because, uh, you know, only part of it is, is diet. But I know through my own journey of trying to grow as much as I can and learn from my own mistakes, the kids see me do that. So it kind of gives them a little bit of a, a soundboard to be able to give and take and kind of go, well, how do I cope with that? Or the big meltdowns is sometimes related to what they ate. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it can just be, you know what, I just can't cope with the world around me right now. So... I'm kind of need some help with that. Yeah. So, but the doctors, I suppose, um, weren't a whole lot of help in that area when yeah. we were having concerns. Yeah. But they, they look at the kids and they think we're doing a fabulous job. And, and really when we go to the children's hospital for checkups now, they weigh them, they measure them. We, we get our script, we see the dietitian, and it's, it's kind of in and out. Yeah. So it's just to stay in the system these days. They yeah. go, we don't need to see you for a while. The kids are doing great. You know, I kind of wish everyone was eating the same as what you guys are. So That's great. Well, that's really positive to see, actually, because I think a lot of the time people do feel a little bit undermined sometimes by their health professionals where they will question why you're doing that, why aren't you doing this, you know, why aren't you following the protocol, perhaps even sometimes suggesting that they may be doing harm, you know, and then even when the results are there, sometimes they'll say, oh, well, no, it's just a coincidence or it's just, you know, you, I'm sure you hear these stories all the time. I know yeah, certainly I yeah. do in practice. And I don't in any one way want to suggest that all practitioners are like that because that's absolutely not true. And, and obviously by the sound of it, yours are proof of that. Um, yeah. But I just, yeah, I just guess it's important for people to understand that, um, you know, that this stuff does work and it does make a difference. And, you know, sometimes the proof's in the pudding and, and when you see the results like they're seeing with your kids, it does make them rethink a little bit too oh it it does and like i said the the dietitian that we seen last time we were down there she's like i i love what you're doing yeah and we just actually had a conversation about food and where uh the nutritional world in pku is is going as far as they're really put trying to put a lot of focus now on not just looking at the protein content of a food Mm. of a packet food that there are other options and to try to stick to whole foods as much as possible first. Yeah. And, so, and, and especially with children. Absolutely. Well, for anyone, but particularly yeah. with kids, isn't it? And so what I'm curious then, Leanne, is, you know, given the changes you've made to your kids' diet, given the changes, you know, in terms of their movement, in terms of their mindset, particularly, I reckon, in terms of the stuff you've done with their gut health, um, have you seen a change in their capacity to deal with protein? Yeah, yeah, especially as... as They've developed more muscle and mm. as they're more active because 
when you're when you're active and when you're running around, you're moving around, you're using more within your body. Mm. So I think they have a higher tolerance of of protein with that, and because they're having healthy protein they're having healthy fats to fill them up so they're not just kind of constantly yeah. looking for food all the time and yeah there's there's definitely been a, a higher tolerance that's fascinating for, for isn't it particularly when we start yeah. looking into what we now know about you know the whole epigenetic sphere and how you know yeah. how our lifestyle can actually impact the expression of those genes and even though we may yep. have those disorders then it's possible that we can actually have an impact on that too just by looking at our lifestyle and so I, I think that's fascinating I, I had a feeling you'd say that but it's it's fascinating to hear nonetheless that it is having a dif- making a difference uh, I totally agree and and that's what I say to the kids as well like you can't change the fact you've got PKU it's mm. it's genetic it's, all, it's always going to be there mm. but you can determine how your body is going to express the symptoms of PKU mm. so you know for instance with the behavioral disorders or or even with being um you know, having a little bit of malnutrition where they're, they're not, their body's not getting everything it needs. Mm. You, you can determine that. You can choose how that's going to express itself. Absolutely. So, you know, if they, they keep learning that and they keep on that path, that's going to be so powerful for them because they're never going to feel like a victim. Like, I can't have this or mm. I've got PKU, yeah. I can't eat this, I can't drink that. And I have to be honest and say non-negotiable for me is definitely soft drink. I've told the kids that flat out. <laughs> that's just that's that's just me. I really don't like the stuff. But if they want something sweet, you know, we go out and they'll we'll, we'll have a kombucha. I mean, that's yeah. got a, enough sugar in it, but it doesn't have all the nasties in it. Yeah, so they'll right. have a kombucha and a and a super orb, and they love the stuff. So it's you know it's it kind of empowers them because I never want to feel I never want them to feel like they don't have yeah. control over what they eat or they can never choose because that's that's what it's very much like in in the world of you know metabolic disorders is sometimes yeah. oh, I can't have this and you see it a lot of times even on uh, PKU sites oh, I just want my kids to be able to eat what everyone else is eating yeah. and kind of think well you know what is what everyone else is eating do you really want yeah. your kids to be able to eat that so for me I know it sounds crazy, but the kids having PKU has has really been a blessing in our Mm -hmm. lives. Yeah. Well, you know, the sort of conversations you're talking about happen to all of us who are choosing to follow perhaps a more paleo or primal diet because people are constantly saying, well, why don't you let your kids have that? Why are you denying your kids that? Why are you making your kids miss out on that? You know, um, because of just the way society is, you know, the expectations of society and what's normal um, are, are different to what someone who follows a more paleo or primal diet would want for their kids and, and how you would want to nourish your kids. So, you know, it's not just parents with PKU who go through that. I'm sure there's lots of people listening to this yeah. who can really relate. Oh, definitely. And I'm, I'm paleo myself. I have been for, for at least a couple of years now. And you know what? I've never come across a situation or been anywhere where I haven't been able to find anything I haven't chosen to eat. Yeah. So, you know, it's, that's the thing as well. People go, well, what, what are you going to eat if you go to a party or you yeah. go out for dinner or you go here or you go there? I have never been in a situation where my kids haven't been able to eat anything either. Yeah. And you're not denying yourself. You know, you're choosing to no. love yourself and nourish yourself. You know, it's actually yep. a positive thing, not a, not a denying or a negative thing. That's right. That's right. And look, they have sometimes food and we call that... We stay away from the good food, bad food, just because I never want them to 
have fear around food right. or have guilt or shame around food. So we have sometimes food and all the time food. So they'll have all the time food all the time, which is, you know, your fruit, your vegetables, yeah. your nuts, your seeds, your eggs, you know, human food yeah. pretty much. And then, you know, they can be out somewhere or at a party. And if they have something, it's sometimes food. You know what? They know there's going to be a downside to it. There's going yeah. to be a come down from the Perfect. sugar. They kind of know that, but it's it's sometimes there's no guilt, and it. it's not like if I have if I have that, it's a bad food. I shouldn't have it. Oh my god, I feel guilty now. Yeah. I feel bad. No, I try to stay away from that because sometimes in life you just can't avoid those situations. Yeah. So kind of go, you know what? Sometimes that's perfectly, Anne, and that fits in perfectly with what I talk about in in my book, Nourish Without Nagging, yeah. and it's exactly the same book. approach. So. I love that, and I love hearing that. Um, just as an aside, have you read Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, Leanne? Yeah, I have. Good, because that would be a great one as for yourself and also for your kids yes. you know, at some stage to read with them or to them, for them to just be a bit more empowered about you know what's possible with their body. I think that would be fabulous. Absolutely. I've got it on audio book as well, and I've Even got um, Dr. James Chestnut, oh, The Wellness yes. and Prevention Paradigm. Which, what a legend. Yeah, yeah. I work at a chiropractic clinic, so yeah, um, that's very much part of our philosophy there is eat well, move well, think well, habitate well. Nice. Oh, that's so good. I love hearing that. So we've got about another, I don't know, six minutes left, Leanne, and, and I really wanted to talk a little bit to people about your own personal journey because yeah. I've spoken to you about this and, and I found it quite inspiring, actually, and, and quite emotional and quite... Um, it, it just really made me think and it made me appreciate you as a mum and as a person just even more. Um, so, you know, you've had, you know, a big part of what you do now is all about connection, you know, and all about yep. that sort of mindset side of things. And, and I think a lot of that has really stemmed from your own personal experience and your own personal journey. So do you want to share with us a little bit about, you know, if that's okay with you, about your yeah, own personal absolutely. journey and, and, you know, what you've learned from that and how that's taken and, and changed, I guess, how you relate to your family, but also what you teach people through primalmum.com. Yeah, well, I I grew up, I suppose, in what you would call quite a dysfunctional home. Um, I was raised by my mum and my dad, who actually thought was my biological father till I was the age of, of 12. And unfortunately, not long after I found out he wasn't my dad, there was a massive breakdown within the relationship of the whole family. And there was a few other things that were going on at the time. And I just felt within myself, I just lost connection with everyone around me, especially with my mum and with my siblings, with my dad. And it was, it was a really, real. I would never be a teenager again for anything. It was a really difficult time in my life. And I felt very disconnected. And I think I'd lost, I'd lost touch with a lot of my emotions so I didn't know how to cope with how I was feeling. So a lot of the time I actually felt very blank and I went through a lot of stuff in my teen years which which led to my own self-destruction that wasn't necessarily circumstances. It was just my inability to cope with what the world around me. And about the age of, I suppose... Um, I don't know how much you want me to share, Brett, but... As much as or as little as you like, Leanne. Okay. Look, well, at the age of 14, I suppose, I I became a, a bit of a cutter. And that was my way of kind of just feeling something because I just felt nothing on the inside. And then by the time I was 15, 
things continually got worse with my family. So I actually had to leave and I found myself um, on the doorstep of my biological father that I'd actually only just met at that time and relationship broke down there and I was, I was homeless by the age of 16. So that was, yeah, I kind of wasn't sure where to go from there. And for years, I just struggled with self-loathing a lot of depression and just hopelessness. I I had no direction in life. I had no hope. Um, I was disregarded by a lot of people around me thought, I'm going nowhere. She's going to go nowhere. She's going to be a no-hoper. I made a lot of bad decisions because I didn't react well to the events that had happened in my life. So I now take responsibility for the role I played in that because of my lack of being able to respond well mm to the events because sometimes you can't change the events in your life or what happens around you but you can change your perception yeah but that can be very difficult as a teenager Leanne I mean you, you've you know that that's been quite harsh on yourself there as much as it's brilliant <laughs> to take responsibility you know it's, it's not an easy I thing to do as a teenager no. and I think the fact that you've been able to do that at any age um, is a remarkable thing. So you I, know, I think the acceptance and the clarity comes later on with the healing. I think mm. when you've kind of healed, you can actually see the role you play in, I suppose, your own downfalls, or um, you, you just see things with different eyes. And now, when I look back, I think it's because I didn't have. And this is this is where even I, I feel it's just so important, and I really hope everyone realizes this that. When you go through these stages in your life, I think mentorship is so incredibly mm. important and I think mentorship for your kids is so incredibly important because sometimes your kids can't go to you with something, but if they mm. can go to someone within their circle of influence or your circle of influence or circle of trust, it makes a massive difference and that's what I, I lacked. And I think if I had had some kind of mentorship in my life, I would have made decisions differently. Yeah. But I think I just... Through meeting my husband, who's who just seen something in me that I didn't see in myself, he's been a really big part in me growing and developing, and then just my own need to be something more, something yeah. and and just I don't know. There was just this something in me, and and even recently, this last twelve months, there's just been this fire inside and this drive to just grow. It's like all of a sudden you kind of get it, and you kind of go, you know mm. what? This happened and that happened and this happened and that happened. But you know what? I'm someone and I'm awesome. And, and it, just, it just helps you want to make a difference in the world. And, and I hope to actually do that in the, in the future. And I'm working with something very special at the moment called a human project to bring someone amazing out from the States named Wesley Chapman. And, and I'm going to help him come to Australia and empower youth to to empower themselves I suppose to really mm. empower youth to to look at look at the life they have and develop the tools and and get mentors in their life and just to develop coping strategies because that's something I think we lack through a massive breakdown within the family unit these days is is kids really lack those basic coping skills uh, you're amazing, Leanne, um, and you know I really want you to know that you are already making a difference, and you're actually already making a massive difference. Um, you have definitely made a difference to me and to my life, um, and I know that you've already done that for so many other people as well. So you're to be absolutely congratulated for that. Um, 
I found it fascinating talking about having mentors and people around you. You know, we're talking about this whole yeah. primal lifestyle, you know, and you think about how we used to be where the community would raise the child and how, you know, perhaps if the parents weren't quite cutting the mustard, then there was other people there to help and support and there was always That's someone wrong. to lean on and just how disconnected we are now as a community and, and the impact of that. So I think that was, that's fascinating. Um, yeah. Connection I... changes your life. Connection. Yeah. And that's what's changed my life, I think, is rebuilding those connections in my life. Yeah. Even with my kids because I, I don't actually have contact with any of um, my family anymore. Yeah. But the contact and the connection that I have with people around me and the mentors I've been able to have in my life, including yourself, Brett, yeah. has has pretty is you know it's it's been pretty amazing yeah it's been pretty amazing and, and i've learned so much isn't that just where things like you know going along to the wellness summit or coming along to the wellness breakthrough oh um, the breakthrough you know, was awesome for myself as much as for any of the attendees you know those connections you make those conversations you have they're just life-changing they, they really do change the way you think about everything and it's phenomenal so it was great to have you there um, oh, like to, I'm so glad I was there. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about one more thing before we go because we're yeah. almost out of time. But, I, yep. you know, it was interesting just hearing you talk about your self-loathing you had as a teenager. Yeah. And I'd love for you to hear from you, what, why do you think you did loathe yourself so much at that time? And what was the key, I guess, and perhaps you've already shared this, but what was the key to you turning that around? Oh, okay. I think the self-loathing came from... Um, the disconnect within my family, I think. But did if you feel that was your at, fault? Is that what the self-loathing came yeah, from? Yeah, 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 I did. I did. Mm. I felt that things were my fault. I felt that they didn't love me, that there was something wrong with me. I could never speak up. I could never mm. have a voice. So there I felt that I wasn't worthy. I think that self-worth, that I yeah. wasn't worthy of, of their love or their attention or the people around me. And it didn't mm. necessarily – there was a lot of, lot of things I did to cry out for help. And there's a lot of things and that's where sometimes you have to be so careful because, you know, people don't necessarily start out to be bad or people don't make wrong mm. choices to, to do the wrong thing. Sometimes it can be a cry out for help and all it comes back to is their lack of self-worth and all they're asking is for acceptance mm. and all they're asking is for someone to say, hey, you know, you don't have to do that. I like you the way you are. Mm. And so that for me, that self-loathing, that... Oh, wow. That, that kind of lasted for years with me, for years. And the way I got out of it, I suppose, is um, one, my husband, mm. my kids, and also I think my own acceptance, my own willing to accept that, you know what, I, I am someone, I am worthy of my own love. And you can't expect something from someone else that you're not willing to give yourself. So that was that was a big thing for me. I can't expect anyone to give me something that I can't give myself, which is love. Mm. You know, as soon as I realized that I am someone, I'm someone special and I've got great qualities to offer. And even if it's to just the people that I love, if I can give that to them, then I can I can give that to myself. So I'm a lot kinder to myself these days. And I think once you're able to accept yourself and have that self-worth, you do look at things very differently. You can't change the environment that you're in, but you can change how you perceive it and how you look at it. And that's, that's been pretty, pretty powerful and being able to go forward with a growth mindset and being able to learn and also use my experience and, and my story to, to hopefully help others. Well, I think that is just a beautiful spot to finish, Leanne. Um, I think 
there'll be many others listening to this like me who get goosebumps when you talk about your story like that, who get a bit teary <laughs> when you talk about your story like that, um, but just get profoundly impacted by hearing your story and the challenges you've gone through and your capacity to, you know, ex- you know, take responsibility for the bits that you're responsible for and to do the work required to dr- bring yourself out of that and not just bring yourself out of that, you know, not just survive, but actually thrive and become a, a shining example to other people in the community is phenomenal. So well done. Thank you so much for coming on, Leanne. Um, Thank you, Brett. People who want to find out more about you, which I'm sure everyone does, they can go to Primal Mum, that's M-U-M, Australian spelling, yes. primalmum.com. They can find you on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all Primal Mum. Um, they can check out your brand new podcast. We barely even got to talk about – well, we didn't get to talk, even talk about Boomy's World, your new podcast, <laughs> which is amazing. So anyone who loved listening to this episode, anyone who's loved listening to Jen Richards talk on the podcast is going to oh, love awesome. um, Boomy's World, a f- fantastic podcast. You're going to hear all of this sort of information and way, way more. So make sure you check it out on the Wellness Couch. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.